The Crimes Ireland podcast is intended for a mature audience. Hello everyone and welcome to the Crimes Ireland podcast, recalling tales of crimes committed in Ireland, North and South. Today's case is based on a murder committed in County Armagh almost 206 years ago. If you have any questions about this episode or the show, or just want to say your hellos, please send them to crimesireland at gmail.com. Or, and please if you can, or if you find true value in this endeavour of mine, donate to the show on PayPal using the same email I just gave. Again, that's crimesireland at gmail.com. Thank you very much, and enjoy the show. Reid Mulholland lived in a small village of Hamiltonstown, outside of Armagh, in the county of the same name. In the year 1815, he lived there with his wife, Jane Mulholland. Reid's father also lived very close by to the couple, being right next door, and he was getting on the years, as it was stated in the newspaper reports. Now also being very ill at the time, he was confined almost exclusively to his bed. On a side note, and totally related, about two weeks after this case took place, Napoleon would make his escape from his exile slash imprisonment on Elba, an Italian island, travel back to France, and bring on the Hundred Years' War shortly after, in March. But, back in Armagh, on the 13th of February, 1815, Mr Reid had gone to Belfast for business and returning later that evening. He was exhausted and almost immediately went to his bed. Jane had stayed up after him, and soon after he was gone, another local man of Hamiltonstown, Robert Edgar, arrived at the home. He had been having an affair with Jane. It is thought that Edgar was not married himself. A later witness called Anne Gilly knew Edgar and the Mulhollands, and at one time Edgar had called her to the house and asked her for a loan of a hatchet. She agreed, but let him know it was only one used for cutting turf. Turf, for any of you listening and unaware, is made much like peat in the US and is typically square or round in shape. It was burned in open fires or stoves for heat and cooking in older times past. And also sometimes today, but that's been phased out due to environmental issues. On the night, Jane said she was sitting in the house beside the fire when Edgar had entered, and this was shortly after two neighbouring boys had left. Looking at him with the hatchet already in his hand, he asked, Reed is snoring and sleeping? Aye, was the response. Come, let us do this job now, Edgar had said, moving away from her. Both snuck upstairs towards the room where Reed now lay sleeping. Entering the room of the now sleeping husband, Jean carried a dim candle, attaching it to a wall once she was inside. Edgar entered too and quietly made his way to the bedside. He had raised the hatchet and brought it down onto Reed's forehead hard, and at once the sleeping man let out a deep groan. Reed grabbed the hatchet with his right hand but never spoke. Edgar quote, then lifted the hatchet and gave a great blow on the backside of the head, pulled out a knife and bled him over the bed. It is reported that Robert Edgar very calmly cleaned himself off as best as he could after he killed Mr. Mulholland. 
It was said at one point that Reed was hit while trying to get up out of the bed and fell onto the floor, and this is when he was dragged onto the bed by Edgar, and then he pulled out his knife. At another point, Jane must have left the room, as after his attack, Edgar came running out of the room, half shouting to her, quote, The job is done, follow me. Unquote. If he has 20 lives, they're all out of him now. Only Jane could have known these statements made at the time, and it should have been taken with a pinch of salt anyway. She did follow, and they ran, and Edgar went through a hole in the wall, as is described, with no other explanation. He threw out the murder weapon before him, and jumped on through. Jane must wait and raised the alarm about three or four minutes later when he had time to get away. She then rolled the barrel in front of the hole and then went to do this. Again, waiting for some time after he had gone, so he had a decent distance between him and the murder scene, Jane ran to the neighbour's house, shouting hysterically that her husband, quote, had been attacked by two robbers and that they had been murdered. And this first part, again, as I've said many times before, was that suspicions had right away fallen on Jade Mulholland, as the affair had been known by someone in the small community. Police now searched Edgar's house, where they found the axe that was later found to be borrowed from one neighbour called Anne Gilly, previous to the killing. After seeking some advice from her legal counsel, Jane returned and refused the offer. But, a little suspiciously, maybe on the part of the police, was a statement supposedly from them saying, quote, Without any incident, and under no apprehension of threatening, she voluntarily related the following particulars. Jean had said two things. One, that Edgar was a widower, and two, that his driving motive for killing her husband was Edgar thought Jean would follow him to Scotland after the murder was committed. Seems like sound enough logic to me. Jane's counsel was also Robert's, and he had told them both, quote, if they stuck to their plea of innocent, they would not be convicted. This advice would cost Jane and Robert their lives, as, later on and under intense pressure during interrogation by investigators, she confessed to her part in Reed's murder. She was also sure to state that it was Edgar who had done the actual killing, she also admitted that they had planned and talked about it long before. They were both charged very quickly with the crime as at the trial the evidence, quote, showed their callousness. The jury heard how Edgar had visited the victim's father, reading passages of the Bible to him to comfort him during his time of illness. This was just a few days before he carried out the murder of his son. It is said that the couple had meticulously planned out their actions and perhaps showing how times are different from now, Jane was quote, chastised by the judge not only for the murder of her husband, but also for her infidelity. It is said too, which I did find very odd, was that Jane quote, called upon Edgar to shave the head of her dead husband before he was interred. The actions were described as, quote, a foul, black and deliberate crime. And Jane's own part was described as, quote, having burst asunder the strongest bonds of God and nature and violated every obligation known to society, virtue and religion. 
were Robert's crimes not this too? Another witness, a lady from the area, A. White, stated about the victim that, quote, the head was butchered most terrible. She and others had seen Jane Mulholland on the Saturday after the funeral, coming down from the Newmarket Hill area to the jail in Armagh. The witnesses riding the victim's horse, with the victim's cousin on behind them. At the request of the cousin, White asked Jane to ride on the horse of Reed with them. The conversation went as follows. Jane replied, quote, How can I ride on that horse? As it was obviously occupied already. Aye, so you may say after murdering your poor husband. Oh aye, Jane had said, almost a snort. Oh Jane, what has made you murder your own husband? Edgar made me do it, she had said finally. Then finally again, at the trial, an earlier witness, Anne Gilly, said on the day of the murder she had asked the accused man for the loaned turf hatchet back, and he stated he would bring it back to her when he returned from another errand. At her statement, the murder weapon was brought out into the court and Anne did identify it as her own. The deliberations of the jury took seven hours to reach a consensus of guilty, and on the passing of the death sentence upon the defendants, the judge, Honourable Baron McClelland, said, quote, It is reported the judge's voice slightly broke at this remark, and then he continued, quote, But it is for the purpose of impressing you with the enormity of your guilt in the sight of God to lead you to seek mercy in another world which the injured laws of your country deny you in this. Your time in life is now very short, for the law of this land, holding such a crime as yours in the utmost abhorrence, appoints the sentence of death to be carried into execution within the space of 48 hours after the prisoner has been found guilty. You, therefore, the day after tomorrow, shall be lopped off from society as a withered, injurious branch before the throne of God's grace and ask for forgiveness, through the mercy and death of our Lord Jesus Christ, the only Redeemer. Not specifically the religious parts of this quote are many mentions of God from the judge, but also the earlier outburst chastising Jane Holland makes me think that the Honourable Baron McClelland was slightly off kilter, or at the least very dramatic. One other quite shocking quote was from a newspaper at that time, so please bear with me. It was said, quote, Prisoner Edgar was a very ugly little man with a face that seemed to be an odd compound of monkey and goatish features. The murdered man was a good-looking young fellow. The adulteress was a remarkably handsome woman. The capital punishment took place outside the new Ardmah jail, as which there was, quote, an immense concourse of spectators. As public execution was not yet illegal, a considerably large crowd had gathered to view the execution that day. And just before the execution, both were said to have made a full confession, and they had seemed resigned to their fate. A source found stated about the confession, quote, Edgar, it appears, calculated with the wretched woman, and coldly and deliberately, premeditated the barbarous act. I hope you found this episode of interest and I felt it had a good amount of detail even though it was slightly short, in my opinion. Uh, I fact-checked as much as possible as always, obviously, 
And if you have any questions at all about this episode or the show in general, or just want to say hello, please send them to crimesireland at gmail.com. Or, and please, if you can, please donate to the show on PayPal using the same email. I use this for research and other costs, and generally to try and make the show better for all of you. And uh, for me in general too, because I love doing it. I hope you can find the value in it to donate a penny and up via PayPal using crimesireland at gmail.com. Sorry for the heavy PayPal plug, and goodbye for now.